Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Ecommerce Maven podcast. On this week's episode, we're talking all about niche marketing. What is that? Why can your brand benefit from that? And how can you start to execute that to make more money with less effort in your e-commerce business? So let's get into it. Welcome to Brave and Boss, a podcast for the purpose-driven founder who wants to grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Christy Sumer. I'm the CEO and founder of the Ethical Fashion Line Encircled, a conscious business coach and passionate about helping you break through your limits and build a brand that matters. Let's do this. Hello and welcome back. I'm so happy to have you on the e-commerce maven podcast. This is episode 180, 10 ways to master niche marketing and captivate your target audience and boost your e-commerce sales. And isn't that what we all want? We want more sales for our e-commerce store. I don't know a founder out there who doesn't want more sales. So if that's you, uh, don't listen to this podcast because this is not for you. Um, so on today's podcast episode, we're going to talk about niche marketing And it's maybe it shouldn't even be called niche marketing. Perhaps I should call this niche branding because I am a firm believer that e-commerce brands can succeed in pretty much any market as long as they're specific enough with who they're targeting and what they offer. One of the most common things that I see in coaching as well as in the mentoring that I do is that people are starting e-commerce or product-based business brands with not really a target customer in mind. Usually it begins with a product idea that they love or a passion that they have and somehow rolls into a business. And that can get you pretty far on Etsy or maybe on your own shop. But once you hit a certain level of sales, it starts to get harder and harder to get more sales because you have to get into possibly using things like paid channels where if you're not really focused and niche with your advertising message, you're going to end up talking to everybody, which is really not the intent. And you're going to waste a lot of money. Your sales are going to suffer and you're going to stall your growth. I've seen this happen to many brands at kind of that 25 to 50 K a month level, um, getting to six figures a month in revenue. I think you have to be pretty specific with who you're targeting and why and what you're offering and how you're different. So that's what we're going to spend the bulk of this episode talking about is not just mastering niche marketing, but positioning yourself as a niche brand so that it's easier to find you online. It's easier to talk to the people who love your product and would love your product. And you can really start to develop much more focused strategy for marketing so that it's easier for you. It doesn't take as much time and it's just like a lot easier to do marketing, which is amazing, right? We don't want more difficulty in our lives as founders. We have so much stuff we need to do anyways. So I find that the more focused you can be, the more efficient you can be with your time. So before we get into that, just a quick little update on what's going on over here. Um, So it is just the end of March as I record this episode. So we're at quarter end. By the time this airs, I think it'll be early April. So firstly, I encourage you to take some time and just sit back and say like, what happened in Q1? Um, in quarter one of the year. So what happened in January, February, March? What went well? What didn't go well? What product really worked? What product didn't work? Um, what marketing tactics did you see the biggest uptake on? What, what did you feel like you wasted your time on? 
spending time on this reflection is so important and I encourage you to document it as well and put it somewhere that you will look at next year when you're doing planning for Q1. This is so important because typically Q1 is not a great quarter for e-commerce, largely because Jan, Feb is kind of when credit card bills come in from the holidays and people start to have like purchase regret. Uh, This year in particular, lots of recession fears, lots of inflation, lots of people holding back from spending and making New Year's resolutions not to shop. I think hurt a lot of brands in the quarter and people weren't expecting it. And even though I've been in the e-commerce game for 10 years now uh, with my own business and my Lord, I've been, I did Google ads back in like when they were AdWords, probably like, I'm going to scare some people listening to this podcast episode right now, but probably like 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, I was doing Google AdWords. I'm, I'm like an OG of digital marketing here. So I can tell you that um, when you are working on products and stuff like that, it just, it slips your mind. Like you're like, Oh, I forgot Q1 is so bad. Like what is, why is nothing working? Like why is January such a garbage fire? And you're like, Oh yeah, January is always a garbage fire. Okay. Now I feel better about it. But honestly, like we need these reminders as a founder, because even me in my business 10 years in, like it can feel really demotivating when you're doing all the stuff and you're executing the campaigns and doing all the social posts and you're not seeing the results. And sometimes it's just out of your control. And that is the hardest part of being a founder is that lack of control. And trust me, I've been in therapy for this for years. It is hard to get control as a founder, as an entrepreneur. It is a profession that we choose where we lose a lot of control. Um, So the more you can kind of make notes on what happened this quarter and things you can take into next year, and then that can influence your Q4 as well. So if you know that you're probably not going to generate a lot of cash in Q1 and you need to start like um, marking down product and stuff like that for sale and clear out, then you build that into your Q4 and you'd be a little bit more conservative with your cash in Q4 to tide you through Q1 so that you're not, you know, hanging on the edge of your seat and maxing out your credit cards in Q1. So that's my best advice separate from that. Um, Q1 for me and my e-commerce brand, you know, uh, it's been interesting. Um, January was not the best month. Um, February was a better month and up versus last year, double digits. And then March has been a good month for us. Um, and we're trending up double digits as well. So, um, we're coming off of a really successful product launch that we actually completely sold out. So, uh, we're working on scrambling for a restock really quickly. And, um, and yeah, some campaigns to move some merchandise that have picked up and a really successful sample sale. So it's uh, turned around quite a bit this quarter. So I'd like to continue this momentum into Q2 for our brand. Um, and that said, it's a great time to plan for Q2. <laughs> if you haven't done that already, you should be doing that right now. Not to freak you out, but Q2 starts in like, or by the time you listen to this, Q2 has started. So um, you know, sitting down and prioritizing what you're going to focus on and mapping out your marketing calendar is so, so key. Um, so that's pretty much it. So let's get into the episode and dig right into niche marketing. So what the heck is niche marketing? So niche marketing is really just a fancy way of saying like targeting a really specific audience segment with your offer tailored specifically to that ideal customer or whatever you're going to call them. Um, as I said in the beginning, I really prefer niche branding because I don't think it's just like the marketing. So I think you want to be fairly specific and niche with your brand as well. 
you know, I think about this all the time because during the pandemic specifically, there were like a zillion slow fashion brands that started up. People started up as like side hustles or they got laid off and they started to do it, you know, themselves and Shopify makes it so easy. And, um, you know, that can be very fear inducing, although I'm always happy to see other founders in the slow fashion space because we need more slow fashion brands. The problem is, is that customers aren't trading to slow fashion as fast as fast fashion. So it kind of makes the pie a little smaller. Um, but among those slow fashion brands, they all sound the damn same, all sound the damn same. Like it's not a day goes by where, you know, during the pandemic, I was like, this ad sounds like my ad. Um, so that reiterates why you need to be super specific. So this is why you need to get clear on what specific customer, because those slow fashion brands might be targeting like a Gen Z customer, whereas I tend to target, you know, a millennial slash Gen Xer, um, or maybe they're targeting more of the boomer demographic. And maybe their point of difference is, you know, using all linen and ours is really focused on comfort. So there's ways to niche down even when you feel like you're in a segment that is totally crowded. Um, a favorite book of mine of all time is The Blue Ocean Strategy. It's very old, but I highly recommend reading it if you haven't already. Um, it talks about really the idea of finding that um, blue ocean where the sharks are not. So red ocean would be where the sharks are feasting on all the fish. But where is the blue ocean where the fish are in abundance, but there's only maybe one shark? Um, and that's really what you want to aim with with niche marketing or branding. You want to um, get to a place where you are super specific with what you're offering and who, so that when people come on your website, if they're not your dream customer, they're totally turned off almost by your products. Like they shouldn't want your products. Um, or they may want them, but maybe they're not right for you right now, but you want to have that kind of specific offering. Otherwise, like you are swimming with the sharks here because e-commerce is a huge game. There's a lot of people in e-commerce with a lot of funding and a lot of money, and you will get eaten alive, especially on paid advertising. So the second thing um, that's really important in mastering your niche is identifying your target customer. So I call this, when I coach people, your dream customer. Some people call it your ideal customer avatar, your ideal customer, target customer. It doesn't matter, your persona, whatever. Um, So many ways to do this, but my favorite, favorite way, especially if you're an existing business is to start to do some research. So go into your Shopify store, go into your customer list, and you can do all kinds of filtering and sorting and sort by your best customers. So that's probably people who are spending an incredible amount of money with you. Maybe they're long-term customers. Um, Other ways you can look at it is, you know, two to three X your average order value or people who are um, ordering more than the predicted times per year. So if you, you know, if people shop with you once a quarter, if somebody's ordering six plus times a year, they could be a really good customer as well. Um, and basically exporting that data to a spreadsheet. And it's as simple as that. And then taking that and either yourself or having like your virtual assistant or marketing assistant go out and do some research on them. There's so much you can find on Google about people nowadays with social media. So um, figuring out like, do they have an Instagram? Do they have a TikTok? Are they on Pinterest? Um, What's their LinkedIn profile say they do for work? And you're not going to get everything on people because some people aren't really um, broadly available online, but just, you know, gathering as much insight as possible 
I would say on as many top customers as you can get. And then through that, starting to narrow down and see, are there any trends? Like, do you have an abundance of teachers that are buying your product and why? And just making a note of that. Um, is there mostly like people over 40 buying your product or under 20? Like what are the key trends and keep it pretty high level, I would say at this point. And then the next step of this would be definitely like trying to talk to a few of these customers. Um, I think that is the best thing you can do. Set up interviews with them. So offer them a gift card to your store in exchange for like half an hour or 45 minutes of their time and do a Zoom or Google Hangout interview with them and ask them a bunch of questions. Like why did, how do they find you? Why do they love shopping with you? What is it about your product that resonates? And really go deep down that market research angle. There's lots of questions you can ask. Um, a quick Google will get you a ton. Um, and then tailoring that for your brand. Talking to your best customers not only creates a really nice connection around them, but you can also get a lot of insight from them and then figure out where they hang out online and find more of them. The third point of that, which kind of ties into target audience, is really understanding your customer pain points. So what is it that your product is addressing that is painful for your customers? And this is something you can definitely ask your customers as well when you're interviewing them. You want to understand like why are they buying your product and how bad is the pain at that point and not all of us will have these like excruciating pain points like a pain point would be like i'm thinking about a brand called i think it's called vegan or it's like hair loss products for women and during the pandemic they blew up because a lot of women myself included was um losing hair because of stress um and they really target like a pretty immediate pain point like are you losing your hair um, is your hair thinning around your, your ponytail or whatever it is, um, we can help. So that's like an example of a pain point that's like pretty obvious, but let's say you make like, I don't know, sustainable socks or something like that. Your pain point might not be as clear. Like, yes, the socks are more comfortable, but they're also sustainable. Which one is more important? So you're going to have to do some research or is it all of them? And that's where it comes into talking to your customers and asking them to really prioritize and say like, of all the things you love about our socks, what is your number one favorite thing about the sock? Is it that it was knit in the USA? Is it that it's super soft fabric that it fits really well and then using that customer pain point to create your niche because this is where I think things go awry a little bit and I've lived in this valley of serving everybody with everything many times in my career and I think that a lot of brands that I see online have a big opportunity to niche down even further and there's always this fear like this fear that you're going to alienate customers and nobody's going to want to shop with you and that's not true like there's always going to be people who will come shop with you, even though maybe they're not like bang on as your target. I mean, with Lululemon, for example, like Lululemon is a clothing brand in Canada, Athleisure. Um, they target like pretty much a hardcore like yogi fitness workout person. Um, I think that's like their dream ideal customer. The person who buys most of their product, I've talked about this before, is actually typically like a stay-at-home mom who's maybe not as active in like high impact sports and all that kind of stuff. So they have like a very um, specific angle with their product development, but they actually serve kind of a different customer, but it works for everybody. So you can see they're marketing to this very specific avatar, but they're getting sales from a lot of people. So that's an example of not like narrowing yourself down too much um, and still, well, I guess narrowing yourself down a lot and not losing customers. 
Um, in terms of pain points, like when it comes to clothing, accessories, jewelry, and that kind of stuff, or pottery or whatever you're selling, it does become a little bit different, uh, more difficult to understand what those are. But there's always something, or maybe it's not a pain point, it could be a desire. So like when I hear from artists, they, they're they like, why would somebody buy a painting? Like what pain point is that? Fulfilling like a blank wall, how painful is that? But sometimes it's about showing, like a desire to show that you're cultured or a desire to show that you, um, to have people come over and like envy your painting or whatever. Like there's definitely a lot of like undercover points of why somebody would be pushed to buy your product that I truly do think you haven't uncovered yet so spend some time on that you can also do some social listening which means you can kind of creep comments on your posts um, your ads your reviews um, and you can also look at your competitors your direct competitors to see kind of their angles although I do not recommend ever copying anybody's angles it is such a lowbrow way to market a brand um, so don't go there and it's also not unique which leads me in my fourth way you can master niche marketing developing a new unique value proposition so we already touched on this a little bit in the previous point but um, it's really important to create a compelling value proposition that speaks directly to your niche audience's needs and preferences and is differentiated from your brand um, from competitors. So this is taking all that information that you've done through your research and understanding the pain points and understanding your brand values, like what do you stand for as a brand and how can you deliver something to your customers that speaks along that. Um, and a value proposition is really simple. Like it doesn't have to be like a, you know, three paragraph mission statement. It's kind of like I sell this for that to help them do this. So like I sell sustainable socks to help, you know, people with foot allergies to live a comfortable life. Like it doesn't have to be something super extensive can be just that fill in the blank but trust me it's those like fill in the blanks that are so hard like when you can write four paragraphs about your value proposition it's fucking easy but when it is your uh one sentence it is not easy so um that's just something to think about and those fill in blanks you can buy them or I guess you could Google them or you could just use the one I just gave you. Um, but spend some time on that. And if you're not sure about it, you know, spend time writing a few of them and then um, actually do it after your customer interviews or before your customer interviews and then have them read it and see what they think about it. Because sometimes um, that's also a really good way to get feedback directly from your customers is like present this to them. And if they're like, that doesn't make sense. Um then you know you're like totally off track and can refine. And you can ask them like what would make more sense for the value proposition. All right, so the next thing, once you've solidified your unique value proposition, your UVP, you want to start working on developing more tailored content. So you want to create content that resonates with that dream customer. Um, and that content can include whatever it is that you do, blog posts, social media, emails, um, and really spend time on honing in on that ideal customer. So you're not going to want to do all those content channels unless you have like a very large team and can do that or are very savvy at repurposing content. But you want to focus on where they are, where they hang out online, which is something you learned in your interviews. Um, and you want to be really specific and leverage storytelling and language and tone of voice, all those things to create 
content that resonates. So if your customer is like a Gen Xer or an elder millennial, you should not be using Gen Z terminology in your marketing. They're going to have no idea what you're talking about. I watched a Watch What Happens Live recently, which is like this Bravo show for like discussing reality shows. Because if you know me and follow me on Instagram at Christy Sumer, I love reality TV. And uh, they were doing like a Gen Z terminology quiz with Paris Hilton. And she got a few of them, but like I knew only like, I think like two out of the eight or something. Um, I'm an elder millennial, so um, I might not understand what you're saying. So I used to have this conversation all the time with my younger uh, employees because they would write email content using things like IRL, which, you know, maybe some more savvy millennials will know, but Gen X might not even know what that means in real life. Um, so making sure that you're aligning your language and your copy with your target customer and integrating storytelling. So what stories do you have about your brand to support your pain points um, and really highlight your unique value proposition? So if you're making sustainable maternity wear for women, like, do you have any stories around customers who, you know, had a reaction to like a t-shirt from a main brand and then switched to your t-shirt and it's amazing and their skin's never been softer or something like that like integrating that or maybe talking about why you even made the brand and bring yourself forward in your content i think that can be really powerful especially for small brands uh, to differentiate themselves versus those larger brands so the sixth thing um, you want to do to master niche marketing is to take all that tailored content and create marketing campaigns. So you really want to take everything that you're doing um, and form campaigns around them. So what is a campaign? A campaign is really just a focus for your marketing strategy. So a campaign might be, you know, around, let's say, I'm not going to use Earth Day because I feel like that is the worst campaign to do campaign around because it's not about commercialism. But let's say Valentine's Day. Um, Valentine's Day would be a campaign. So you're going to do a campaign around Valentine's Day. Maybe you're going to launch a new bracelet and you're going to be like, this is the ultimate bracelet for singles around Valentine's, for single women around Valentine's Day. And you're going to do a whole campaign because your jewelry is designed for women who purchase jewelry for themselves to celebrate themselves. Um, or perhaps your jewelry is focused on gifting. So, and you target maybe men gifting women or men gifting men or women gifting women or whatever with your jewelry. Um, you can do a whole campaign around that. So you can start to see how it can be so different for a brand just based on their brand value proposition. Because depending on your target, you're all going to have different angles. Now, if you're not sure on what angles to do, this is where I feel like ChatGPT comes in. I talked about this in a previous episode. ChatGPT is very powerful at coming up with different angles and things that I often don't think about myself. So the key to ChatGPT is to give it the right prompts. So you could be like, pretend you're a marketer and generate five ideas five angles for a marketing campaign based on XYZ. Um, so, you know, pretend you're a marketer and create five angles for a Valentine's Day marketing campaign for this brand, insert the link, um, that focus on gifting. 
and it'll literally generate five campaigns. Now keep in mind that if you're using ChatGPT3, it's using information from 2021. So if you have access to ChatGPT4, that is much better, but even still, it should be able to give you um, some angles that you can start with, or you can be more specific. And instead of using the link, you can kind of list your brand values and it'll come up with options. And then you can kind of go from there. And then you're just gonna support it with everything that you would do from a marketing standpoint for campaigns, whether it's a launch email, social media advertising, PR campaign, influencer partnerships, an affiliate newsletter, all those things should really build into it to support that message. The seventh way to master niche marketing, we touched on this a little bit, is to build that emotional connection with your dream customer. This is so, so important. And how you do this, I mean, it varies for every brand, but I think I've discovered that transparency is really key and, you know, that kind of honest um, authenticness that you can see on Instagram or whatever social channel you're on, because there's so many brands out there that are just faking it. Oh my gosh. I could go on for years about how many, you know, business coaches are faking it on there. It just, it frosts my cookies. How many of them are faking it? I mean, it's incredible. On one sense, I'm in awe because some of these people have never made more than $50,000 a year on an e-commerce store, but they're teaching people how to make millions. However, the integrity side of me gets really tweaked by it because I'm like, that's not right. How would you even know how to build a million dollar store if you've never worked, if you never built a million dollar store? Anyways, I digress. But what I'm saying is use um, emotion to connect with your customer. And how you can do this is by um, being transparent, progress over perfection. We made this product, but we made too much. We made this product, but we have some flaws. So we're going to do a sample sale. Um, we made this product. Here's how it's made. Here are the people who are making it. Here's our design team designing it. Um, you know, want to help us create our next product? Here's, here's 10 ways you can help out. Um, you know, if you don't have a Facebook group right now, make the damn Facebook group. I don't care what your product is. You should have a Facebook group for your brand because I do feel like Facebook at some point is going to start charging for these. So the more you can get into having your own right now, even if you're not going to use it, just create it and add one person, um, and have that placeholder there, um, in case Facebook does start charging for new group formation, which I feel like they might. Um, somewhat soon because they are desperate for revenue. Um, but yeah, a lot of this is community building. So building that emotional connection, um, figuring out again what those pain points are, sharing stories related to those pain points. Um, it's not always about bringing your product forward necessarily. It's about how that product that you have fits into that person's daily life. So the more you can start creating content around that. So you know, as an example, I always think about like with fashion, like we have a pant called a comfy wide, like pant, it's like a dress pant made from sweat pant material. And yeah, we could do like a social post where we talk about, yeah, how they're sustainable, all that kind of stuff. But wouldn't it be better if we did a reel where we show like three ways to style the com a wide like pant or um, wide like pant do's and don'ts or stuff like that. So much more engaging content wise. And yes, our product is in there, but our product is not the reason to be in there. Our product is playing a role of education, of styling, which our customer really loves. So that's an example of, you know, building an emotional connection because you're doing something. Yes, your product's in there, but you're also educating and inspiring your customer as well. And they'll, they'll take a lot of value from that and want to actually follow you online, which is amazing. 
Um, the next way to master niche marketing. So, you know, you really need to stay on top of your marketing campaigns and measurement. This is something that often falls off in early stage businesses, or if you're feeling overwhelmed, I know during the pandemic, I really dropped off on this because it was just too much. Um, but you know, if you're doing a lot of marketing and you're not measuring the impact after you do something, you are possibly wasting a lot of money, time, and resources, especially if you're doing paid ads. That's like the number one thing. Always, always track your data. Um, so this will tell you if your niche marketing message is working. So if you're going out, I've done a lot of ad concept testing, which is basically where you go out with a concept and test it on a paid ad for a low budget just to see the uptake. And there were a couple of messages there that I thought were really good and they did not convert into sales. Um, so, you know, the money will show you what's working. So that's why it's important to measure and review what you send out and how it performed. And then if it doesn't well, do well, don't do it. Don't repeat it. Okay, the ninth way to master niche marketing, um, always stay ahead of what's happening in terms of trends, new competitors, um, evolving customer preferences and changes in your niche. This is so important. And this was a big shift in the pandemic, which a lot of us just got hit by, you know, almost like a tidal wave. I think a lot of e-commerce merchants who were around before the pandemic felt like they got run over by a bus because all of a sudden e-commerce was everything. And then, you know, 2021, we saw e-commerce become more normalized and back to, you know, in 2022, definitely back to pre-pandemic levels. So there's an importance of staying aware of that because if you're not aware of that trend coming, then you might be forecasting too many sales. And maybe also as an example, everybody got really into like hoodie sets in um, the pandemic and that dropped off. So if you were deciding to launch a hoodie set right now, I do not think it's a great idea unless your customers were really into them. But, um, you know, there's lots of ways to do this. Google, news articles, blogs, influencers, all that kind of stuff. You know, if you're in fashion, you can watch the fashion shows or if you're in um, some other category, there's lots of industry publications. But it's really important to stay on top of this and um, do spend some time watching the market. And this is something that also falls by the wayside if you're a solopreneur or you don't have a team or if you're busy or overwhelmed, but make time in your calendar, carve it out and save the date for this type of stuff. Even like half an hour a week spending time on this is effective. All right. So that in terms of my 10th one, I got a bonus one for you. Um, so niche marketing efforts, make sure your brand visuals reflect your niche. And what I mean by that is that if you are niching down and you're going to focus on, let's say, beauty products for 50 plus, do not put 20 year old models in all of your ads and product photos. That is not going to resonate. If you are going to target a Gen Z customer, like there's probably specific fonts that you should be using and colors. Like this is where it becomes really important. And this is maybe something you want to review at the end, which is why I left it as a bonus option here, because you don't want to go and change your brand before you really understand your target audience, your customer pain points, your unique value proposition, and start doing content and creating that emotional connection and marketing campaigns and learning from them. Because let's say you go out with a campaign and you think it's amazing and you're like, this is my target customer, I'm, I'm going to nail it. Um, and you hear crickets and it's not working. And then you're like, you've already changed your brand colors and all this stuff to support it. There's a lot of money invested in something that doesn't work. So start small, start with your target audience, really understand them, develop out those customer pain points or desire points, do your unique value proposition, test it with your customer, 
Um, you can test it obviously through speaking to them, developing tailored content and roll out those marketing campaigns. Don't forget to emotionally connect and build community and then measure and optimize those campaigns and stay on top of the market changes. And then if you're starting to see success, then you can plan to do a rebrand or visual identity change or make those big shifts that you need to make to support that value proposition and your target customer. All right, that was a lot for one episode and just over 30 minutes. Um, So hopefully you learned something about ways you can niche down to captivate your target audience and boost your e-commerce sales. I encourage you to try even at least one of these tactics in the next week or so. If you try one out, Um, Or if you have any questions, tag me at Christy Sumer on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you as well. Um, You can find the show notes on christysumer.com as well as options to join me for coaching. I am opening up a couple of private coaching spots starting mid-April and then uh, hopefully launching group coaching program um, starting in June. So stay tuned for that and we will talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to Brave and Boss, the podcast. If you want to take your e-commerce brand to the next level, be sure to check out my website at christysumer.com, where you can find all the show notes, free resources, and blog posts and principles to help you grow your online store. You can also follow me at K-R-I-S-T-I-S-O-O-M-E-R on Instagram. Find your purpose, make it happen. I'll talk to you soon.